You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, if you have your Bible, go and turn to the book of 1 John chapter 3. We're finally back on our 1 John series, but 1 John Chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 11 in just a minute. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Brandon Hayes. I'm our next-gen pastor at Southcrest. And man, looking forward to studying God's Word with y'all this morning. And by the way, as you're turning to 1 John 3, verse 11, if uh, you don't have a Bible, that Bible that is in the chair in front of you is yours to use this morning and yours to, te- to keep and take home. And so we'd love for you to have that as our, our gift to you. And if you're a first-time guest after the service, I'd love to meet you back at the Welcome Center right over there and have a a gift for you as well. So just all kinds of gifts this morning. It's a good time, all right? First John 3. For one of uh, Lauren and I, my wife, for our anniversaries, we had saved up and we got to go to uh, Costa Rica, which is kind of a crazy, like once in a lifetime experience, super fun. And like our fourth day there, we went on a hike, which if you're in the rainforest and there's like pit vipers and jaguars and pumas, it's good to have a guide, right? It's just like, it's just wise for my wife's safety, for my safety, like good to have a guide. And so we had a guide and uh, we're going to go on this hike. It's supposed to be about a three or four hour hike. Well, just like, just into the hike, we're just getting started and our guide stops and he notices that on the side of the trail, someone has placed kind of this marker. It It was a branch they had broken and hung over on this other branch, and he said, man, that, that's definitely a, a trail marker. Um, they're trying to get us to see something. So we stop, and we look, and we look, and we look. We're looking for, like, is it going to be a beautiful kind of bird? Is it some big cat that maybe we don't want to run into? Like, is it a snake? Like, what is it? Is it a tarantula? We look, and look, and look, and, and we, we can't find anything. To the point that, like, we're starting to, I'm getting a little flustered with our guide, like, man, we didn't pay all this money to just stand here, right? Like, like, why are we standing here doing the same thing, just looking and not seeing anything? Is someone playing a game on us? Is it actually what it began to feel like? I think sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you can come to something that it feels like maybe someone's playing a joke on you. What I mean by that is, when the Bible is repetitive, if you're like me and you're honest, which is good to be honest all the time, not just in church, <laughs> but if you're honest, sometimes it can feel like, Okay, is, uh, what are we not seeing? Like, is God playing a joke on us? Like, shouldn't we, shouldn't we just move along is how it can feel sometimes? Like, isn't, there's got to be something else to see. Like, just as an example, our text today, chapter three, verse 11, he says, for this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Like, if I'm just honest, as we've been reading through First John, I get to that verse and I'm like, for the love of love, John, could we talk about something different? Like, there's got to be a different topic we could address. Like, is, is John just stuck on repeat? Or is there something that, even though we've heard about love already in First John, is there something unique that God wants to teach us? Bless you. Whoa. We have the wave of sneezes going. Somebody over here, come through. Just kidding. God is a good communicator. So when you're reading the Bible and you come to something that you've heard before, it's not because God made a mistake or he's stuck on repeat or he's on his high horse. No, there's always a reason. 
There's intentionality between uh, uh, the way God communicates. So it's not just happenstance, like, oh, he mentioned love again. No, there's, there's reason. There's, there's even nuance to what John is saying and what the Holy Spirit through John is saying. So while, yes, we've talked about love in 1 John, I, I want us to lean in this morning knowing that God has purpose for bringing up love again. And actually, just as like a helpful hint as you're reading the Bible, oftentimes when you, when you think, well, that seems weird, or how could that be, or why does he keep repeating it? Oftentimes, the insight into what God is saying in the text is in that specific area. Does that make sense? So the part that makes you scratch your head and go like, what is going on? That's normally where it's easier to pick up on what God is saying if you'll lean in there and not just brush it over. So you could say that the question this morning is, why does John keep harping on love? He's, he's talking to believers, why can't he seem to let it go? Well, let's let the text tell us. Chapter three, verse 11 again. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. That escalated quickly. (laughs) And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. I'm not sure what you're using this morning, what Bible translation, but I've got the CSB, which I like a lot, but I think uh, the, the translators, in my opinion, kind of messed up here. They started a new paragraph with verse 13, and I think that's silly. I think it should totally follow the end of verse 12. So picking up with verse 12 and reading on to 13, and why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Now, we're gonna, we got more text today, but let's, let's unpack what's going on here for a minute. What, what in the world is going on here? Basic idea, he says, we're, we're to love one another. And then he gives us an example from the Old Testament. Like I said, it kind of escalated quickly. He says, unlike Cain, so be loving. Don't be like Cain who killed his brother. Seems like a very simple, concrete example, right? Love people, don't murder people. <laughs> He says, why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil, Cain's, and his brothers, Abel's, were righteous. So, just so you're not confused here, if you look back to chapter three, even the end of chapter, excuse me, the end of uh, verse 10, he's talking about love. The overarching theme here is love. That's what he's talking about. Even, I think a lot of the subtitles are good here. Uh, Starting verse 11, the kind of caption there, love in action, right? It's about love. What John's doing here, he's giving us kind of two categories, that there's love, which is righteous, that's a righteous behavior, it's doing what is right in your relationship with God and with other people, that's what it means to be righteous, and there's unrighteous behavior, not doing what is right in your relationship with God, not doing what is right in your relationship with other people, and that is hate. So you've got Abel who is righteous and loving, so loving is under the category of righteous, and you've got Cain who is unloving, who is hateful, that's under the category of unrighteousness. It says, don't be like Cain, but rather you should be like Abel. And here's an interesting thing. He says, why did Cain murder his brother? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So Cain killed Abel because of his righteousness, of his 
his loving actions of being right in relationship with God and with other people. And then just again, I think it's worth reading again because it's this really, really encouraging verse for you in verse 13. So don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. (laughs) All right, happy April 24th. (laughs) Don't be surprised, don't be shocked if the world hates you. Jesus calls us to righteousness. First of all, he declares us righteous if we're saved by grace through faith, but then he calls us to live out righteousness, to to live out loving behavior. So you could say, you could sum up these verses this way. If you love like Jesus, you will be hated like Jesus. So our, our first point in the text today, in case you're missing it there, if you love like Jesus, you will be hated like Jesus. This should not be a surprise. Think about what John, Jesus said in, in the gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 18. He says, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. Like, that's good encouragement, right? Like, hey, look, be encouraged. If the world hates you, just know it hated me first, so you're in good company. Like, which is encouraging, but it's a little bit funny, too. Like, come on, man. Like, no, don't be surprised when the world hates you. I think that's why John is, or one of the reasons, we're going to see there's three today, but why he's harping on love and, and won't let it go, and why there's some intentionality behind it is because often we are surprised when the world hates us, aren't we? I did the loving thing. Why are they mad at me? Y'all, people find righteousness, people find your holy living irritating. Like, that's where the idea of goody two-shoes, or however you say that, that's where that comes from, right? Oh, it's a goody, goody. Like, when you do the right thing, when you're loving to people, that, that irritates people. But he says, don't be surprised. You love like Jesus, you're gonna be hated like Jesus. I was talking about this text with some friends here on staff, and one of them asked a great question, totally fair question, And that is, why would people hate us for loving them? Great question. Why would people be mad at us for loving them? Well, I I think it goes back to the way Jesus defines love and that we're to love people in grace and in what? Truth. Grace and truth. So loving people in grace and truth means treating them in a way, talking to them in a way that honors God and that is what is best for them, whether they like it or not. Doesn't mean you do it in a rude manner, but you're you're serving up, delivering them the truth, whether they think it's good for them or not, right? I think about my kids when when they're sick or like they've, they've got a splinter or whatever and they're spazzing out when I go to help them. I'm literally going to help them. I'm loving them, but in their mind, I'm hurting them by like, getting my little tweezers and pulling out the splinter, right? No, I, I'm loving them, but they're just not perceiving it that way because they don't have the lens to see it that way. I think about one of our college students who is in a, a program at Tech and, and a counseling program, and they're assigned people from the university to, to counsel with, and this has not happened to her yet, but she's having some difficult conversations with her supervisors because while it hasn't happened in reality, they've proposed to her, okay, 
what if, young lady, what if we propose, or excuse me, we, uh, I can't think of the word I want to use. They, we assign to you a homosexual couple. What are you going to do about that with your Christian beliefs? And she is totally willing to meet with a couple if that happens. But she's told her supervisors, like, I, 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 not just by like what the textbook says, but by what I believe is true and right. I feel like the loving thing for me to do would be to tell them the truth of God's word, that they're not going to find fulfillment in a homosexual relationship because that's not how God designed us. And she's told them, I would do it in love and care, but I have to tell them the truth because I believe it's actually what is loving and right, the right way to treat them. And she's, they've not kicked her out of the program, but they're, she's rightfully nervous. It turns out John is right. You love people like Jesus tells you to love them, the world is going to hate you. They're going to hate you. Jesus wasn't joking when he talked about the difficulties of picking up your cross and, and following him. See, loving people like Jesus requires you to swim against the current, right? It makes me think about a little kid trying to swim backwards in a lazy river like it, the world's largest water park, Lubbock Water Rampage. They try to go backwards in that river, and if they're a little taut, like, it's just, it's just kind of funny, because they're going against the current, going against the flow. And, and John's saying, when you love people like Jesus, that's what it's going to feel like. Like, going against the flow, it's going to feel ridiculous. But you love them even when they hate you. You speak the truth to them, full of grace and full of love, even when they don't want to hear it. You show, them, you show them the love of Christ even when they don't deserve it. And, and you may say, like, well, that seems impossibly hard to love people like that and go against the current. I remind you that Jesus is the God who parts the sea who walks on water and with just a word, just a word calms the wind and the waves, I think he can handle helping you swim against the current. See, that's, that's the thing about this. Loving people like Jesus gonna lead to you being hated like Jesus, but Jesus is with you. He's with you, even when it's difficult even when it's tough. If you love like Jesus, you're gonna be hated like Jesus. But he's with you. Speaking of Jesus and love, look, jump down to verse 16. Really cool insight into why he keeps talking about love and, and he connects it with Jesus. Verse 16, he says, this is how we have come to know love. He, Jesus, laid down his life for us. Now, we're going to keep reading the text in a minute, but think about that. Let, let that sink in. As a believer, you know in your head and in your heart what love is. Love has been redefined for you. How? By the fact that Jesus laid down his life for us. Jesus left heaven's throne, met head on the the inconsistencies, the difficulties, the hardships of this world so that he could die for you and for me because he 
loves us. Even though we don't deserve it, even though we've shunned him, he pursued us to the point of death on a cross. And he died for you, not the you that you want to Sunday best, you know, put on your best to look good for everybody and put, a good, put on a good front so people are impressed with you. No, he loves the real you that only you know about. He loves you, not the you that you tried to impress yourself with and talk yourself into believing. That's really who I am. No, he loves you. Even with all your flaws, all your mistakes, all your sin, he loved you to the point of death on a cross. John says, that's how we know what love is. And so, he says, the rest of verse 16, we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us, by the way, John is elderly here. He's not talking only to children. He's like a man maybe in his 80s or 90s. And he's, so he, when you're 90 years old, you can call anybody a little, little kid, right? Like, so he's talking to everybody. He says, little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And second point we got to see here today why John keeps bringing up love. It is this. Loving like Jesus requires you to lay down your life like Jesus. Loving like Jesus. If you're going to love people like Jesus, it requires you to lay down your life like Jesus. See, John's pointing out, man, we know love because Christ died for us. It's amazing. But it can't stop with us. The love of Christ is to overflow from our lives into the lives of others. And that's why he says, if you see, if you have ability, you have this world's goods, you have the ability to meet someone else's needs. And when you see that need, you don't have compassion, but you withhold it. How, how could God's love possibly be in you? He says, don't love just in word or speech, but in action and in truth. So it, it turns out like, shouldn't be a surprise, but for like forever, humans have struggled with this. It's real easy to do this, isn't it? A lot harder to serve and put your money where your mouth is than actually just talk about it. But he says, if you know Christ, and if you're gonna love people like Jesus, it, then the, the natural response, the only way to do that is to lay down your life for people like Jesus laid down his life. And what's cool is when we do that, we're a reflection of God, right? So that, that's why he's saying, that's why he started verse 16 with, okay, don't forget who Jesus is. You know love because he laid down his life for you. Because of that, be a, an appropriate and accurate reflection of him by loving others sacrificially. Don't be a poor reflection of God by keeping God's love for yourself, <laughs> I just love God so much, I'm just overflowing. I just want to keep it inside. Nobody else can have it. I'm like, what? It's not love. Thinking about reflection, simple way to, to think about this, that if you know the love of Christ, the blessings of life that you experience are not to be a mirror with which you look at and think, man, like, God's been so good to me. This is great. I'm awesome. He's given me blessings so now I can use these resources, these funds for myself. no. Think of them as a window, not a mirror, 
through which you look to look through, excuse me, and see how can I be a blessing to other people? See, so often we, we like to use the mirror when things are going good, like, man, God, look, like, let me just get more for myself. And then when things go poorly, we look through the window to see who we can blame it on, don't we? And if you know Christ, John said, that should be flipped for you. That the blessings and goodness that you receive from the Lord, use a window and look at how can I bless other people? And when you experience hardship, yeah, man, take responsibility for yourself. Look in the mirror and, and own it and repent. God's goodness is not just to be to you, it's to you and through you. I love what Bob Goff, and he has a book called Undistracted, and he's, he references a really popular quote from several different people I've tried to take credit for it, so I won't attribute it to someone. But, um, in his book he says, there are two kinds of people who walk in a room. Excuse me, there are two kinds of people in this world. Those who walk in a room and say, what's up, here I am! And those who walk in a room and go, ah, there you are. Which kind of person are you? John's saying, if, if you're gonna be like Jesus, then you need to learn to walk in the room and not just make it all about yourself, but to see the people around you and meet their needs. That's why I love what he says in verse 17, that if anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, Laying down your life for other people, like Jesus, starts with you seeing the needs of those around you. With not being so absorbed with ourselves, but actually saying, hey, how can I love other people? Maybe it means, like, when you're in school and at lunch, like, instead of just walking into the lunchroom, who's going to hang out with me because I'm awesome? Y'all don't talk that way. Sorry, students. I don't know why I'm talking like that. But, like, instead of walking in like that, you walk in and go, man, who can I sit with today and be a blessing? It means maybe, maybe, I don't know, just some ideas after church, instead of just like caring about me, myself, and I, and our family, like who, who could we connect with today and show the love of Christ by just inviting them to come to lunch with us? You know a really, really practical way that you could show the love of Christ to fellow believers and, and, and make it not about just yourself but loving other people? I'll give you a really, really practical way. I'm not trying to Jesus juke you, it's just the truth. Jesus juke means like, be super spiritual if you don't know what that means. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Our preschool ministry needs some volunteers. Like, apparently, our church likes having some babies or something because we got, we got a lot of little, little tots back there and very, very limited people helping out. Like, we've got a massive church. Like, I don't know, 2,700 people on an average Sunday and the same few people serving in the preschool ministry week in and week out. You know, I know that changing diapers and stuff is not always fun, but kids are cute. <laughs> and it is so fun to be around them. And a way that you could literally, <clears throat> excuse me, put this passage into practice is to come to church and not just like, I'm gonna come get fed, I'm gonna leave, but to come and say, man, who, how could I serve the preschool ministry? So believe it or not, if you're a parent of a preschooler, right now in your email box, you have an email where you can subscribe to serve. <laughs> like, yeah, that's cool. I'm not kidding, I'm for real. Um, you're like, no, I already saw a loser. <laughs> like we sent one earlier, that, or like a couple weeks ago, and I think, like, I'm, man, I'm, not, I'm trying to shoot straight with you. We had like out of, 
we went to like 200 emails and I think 19 people responded and most of the 19 were people already serving. Like, oh, that's kind of sad. <laughs> like, we can do better. So I, again, I mean this in love, but now I've, you don't see it, but you've heard of the need. I'm gonna ask you to respond. If you don't have a parent, if you're not a parent of a preschooler, if you're more in the senior adult range, um, which we're super glad you're here, in your classroom today, you'll have a sign-up sheet where you could also get some information to serve in the preschool. So you're not off the hook either, I'm sorry. <laughs> really practical way to respond. But here's the reality. That's just one simple way, and not everybody can go serve in the preschool. I mean, that'd be awesome if everybody tried to. By the way, you do have to do a background check, just throwing that out there. <laughs> You can't serve everybody. You can't lay your life down for everyone because you're not Jesus. But John's pointing out, you can and you must lay down your life for someone. You can't serve everybody, but you can serve someone. You can lay down your life for someone. And like, there's, but there's not an age limit to this. Like, John doesn't say like, now look, if you're below 13 years old, then you're off the hook here. Or like, you know, if you're in high school, you're still figuring things out. No, if you're a believer in Christ, you can serve others. Christ calls us to. He's, he's and by the way, he's not calling you to do anything he hasn't done, right? Like, like if, if you're sitting here this morning, and you're like, man, I, I've just had a hard life. Like, I'm just trying to for once take care of myself. Like, you don't know what I've gone through. I, I would tell you, you're right. I don't, from the vast majority of you, I don't know what you've gone through, but Jesus certainly knows what you've gone through and he can relate to hardship. Like, man, what, what a shame it would be to get to heaven and, and Jesus, I didn't really serve, I didn't really lay my life down for other people because I just had a hard life. Like, what a shame it would be to tell that to Jesus while he has nail scars in his hands and in his feet. He knows about hardship. He knows about loving people even when it's tough. That's why if, if you were to say, like, totally valid question, like, well, why should we love people? If going back to your first point, Brandon, like, if they're gonna hate us when we love them, well, it's in the text. It's because just like we know love because Jesus laid down his life for us and we didn't deserve it, other people, those who don't know Christ, will begin to know the love of Christ when we lay down our lives for them. And what a cool thing. So the way that you and I know love, Christ laid down his life for us. We can pass that along by laying down our lives for others. They get to see kind of, again, the window I did, they get to kind of see through our life and see a, a reflection of Jesus that he laid down his life for us. Loving like Jesus requires you, it leads you to lay down your life like Jesus. It's fundamental to what it means to be a believer. And I think that's why John asked the question in verse 17. Again, it's in the form of a question. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion, how does God's love reside in him? And that question really kind of turns us to the third truth we need to see in today's text. But first, before we tell you the truth, look to verse 14. He says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer 
And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Third point, gotta see today, what is it? A life without love is not alive. That's John's point. Yeah, if you can see people's needs over, it doesn't mean just one time, but over and over, over, the rhythm of your life is to see the needs of people, but rather than responding in love, you just ignore them or show them hate. He said, how could you possibly know God's love? He said, apparently you couldn't because the love of God in you results in the love of God through you. So like you apparently haven't, as verse 14 says, passed from death to life. Because if you have passed from death to life, you're gonna love your brothers and sisters. So if you don't have love in your life, then, then you don't know Christ. Not just like, oh, I love people, but if you don't have the love of Christ for other people to serve them, to love them, to help them grow in Christ, then if that's not the rhythm, the trajectory of your life, doesn't mean you're perfect, but if that's not the rhythm of your life, then they say, then you don't know Christ. You're not, a, you're not a Christian. You're not saved is how we would say it. You know, it, it reminds me of something we have blowing around Lubbock all the time, and that is a tumbleweed. Tumbleweed, y'all, like from a, spoken from a uh, Floridian's perspective, I, mean, I consider myself Texan now, but I grew up in Florida. Tumbleweeds can get huge. <laughs> like the quote elf, ginormous, right? Tumbleweeds appear to be busy. Like you ever driving down the street and tumbleweeds are just smacking people's cars? Or you're like, you're like what is that sound? And you get to where you're going, you get out and you got a tumbleweed stuck under your car, like you little jerk, right? Like, they're big, they look busy. And there's often a lot of them. Like how often have you gone to like, to in between like your house and your neighbor's house where the fence is and there's like, you, there's a tumbleweed convention. You didn't know what was going on, right? Like they're just all there. I think that's the kind of people that John is making sure we're not, that's an accurate description. So you, you can know a lot of information. Just like a tumble, we can grow really big. You, you can know a lot of information, a lot of Bible knowledge. You, you can be really busy, always going to church and going to this Bible study and, and going to this camp. And there, you can look around at your, and like say, there's a lot of people who are like me. But just like that tumbleweed, John's saying, if you don't have love in your life, overflowing from the love of Christ and out to others, then you're still spiritually dead. Tumbleweeds are big, busy, and there's a lot of them, but they're dead. What John's encouraging us to do is to consider, what are you, what are you looking at as evidence for your salvation. He says, we know we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. He does not say, we know we've passed from death to life because we go to church a lot. We know we've passed from death to life because we know a lot of Bible stuff. No, we know we've passed from death to life that God has saved us by grace through faith because we love our brothers and sisters. The invitation for, for you this morning, if you don't know Christ, is to respond to the gospel. The fact that Jesus died for your sin and rose again three days later. We, I don't know if you missed it last week. We celebrated it. It was awesome. But he offers you forgiveness and life and hope if you will turn to him. 
You can be saved by grace through faith. So it's not like, oh, now I figured out, now I'm awesome. No, it's, Jesus, I have nothing to offer, but you gave your all, and so I'm trusting you with my life. Would you save me and be in charge of my life? And maybe you're here and you're like, well, like, but people already think I'm saved. Like I've already, maybe you've already been baptized and you come to church all the time. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're like a leader in a small group, but you're realizing this, this morning you're not a Christian. Y'all don't let the fact that people may already think you're saved keep you from getting saved. Like, y'all with me? That would be silly. To get like, this is not exactly how it works, but like to get to heaven and you're standing before God and you're like, well, I didn't actually trust you and like go public with it because I was afraid people would be confused. Like, just trust Jesus and people will be thrilled for you. It's exciting. Now, maybe not the world, but believers will be thrilled for you. A life without love is not alive. Do you remember Lauren and I being on that little hike I was telling you about? Beginning? We stood there and stood there and stood there. And finally, our guide says, oh, but th- there it is. And I'm thinking, where? He says, there it is. And he points about two feet in front of us. I- I'm not, Lauren, am I, am I lying? Am I telling the truth? I am telling the truth. She's like, no, you're lying. <laughs> yeah. Like two feet in front of us. We look down, and I see a snake. And I'm like, oh, a snake. And he's like, uh, yeah, it's a snake. Laura and I are like, oh, that's cool, man. That's cool. <laughs> Step on back a little bit. So now we're about 10 feet, and, and Laura and I both say, like, hey, um, so what kind of snake is that? He said, oh, it's a, it's a hog-nosed pit viper. I don't know what that is, but it sounds scary. <laughs> so, and he says, oh, it's, it's very docile. It's, it's very docile, no big deal. I'm like, okay, I'm, that's good. It's calm. And I said, well, I'm just curious. Like, had, we were two feet away from it. Had it bitten us, what would have happened? He said, oh, it for sure would have killed you. <laughs> and we're going on a hike with you for three or four hours? <laughs> like, this is how we started? It was a baby. He said, it was so, because it was a baby, like, it would have injected all its venom and it would have been over. I'm like, hello. <laughs> like, we were on our guard a little bit more for the rest of the hike, I guarantee you. What was interesting, though, is that that marker that we saw on the trail, it turns out, it was actually a warning. It wasn't, hey, look, there's something over there. It was a warning, like, right here, be careful. What, what John's doing in chapter three in the text we just looked at is not so much a, hey, look over there. It's a, hey, right here, watch out. You may go to church a lot, you may know a lot of stuff, you may have been baptized, but if you have no love in your heart for other people, he's saying, something's wrong, you need to get that checked out, man. Watch out. Do you know Jesus? If if you don't know Christ this morning, you you can trust him right now. Simply, Jesus, I I trust you, I will turn from my sin, Lord, would you be the Lord of my life? Here in a minute, as we sing in a few moments, there'll be some folks back at that welcome center and back at the coffee station. Man, they would love to talk with you and pray with you about you trusting Jesus or maybe you just wanna celebrate with someone they would love to do that. But you know, even for believers, this is a, a, a warning this morning that John's giving us. So many of us are, are, are close to the danger. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. But we're close to the danger of stopping loving people because it's grown difficult. You've experienced the hatred of the world. You've experienced that laying down your life for people is not always easy and fun. And John's saying, man, be careful, don't quit. Don't let the hardship you've experienced 
prevent you from loving like Jesus calls you to love. Man, be careful. Don't quit doing what God has called you to do and what his love in you should be overflowing to do. So this morning we're gonna, I'm hoping this maybe becomes more of a pattern for us, but a little different than what we've been doing. Right where you're at, you can stay seated. I want you to think through a couple of things. Maybe do you need to trust Christ this morning? Or do you need to, like right now, take out your phone or a sheet of paper or your little note that you got when you came in and make a list of some people that you could show love to that you haven't been doing. Maybe you can make a list of some opportunities that you see, verse 17, that you see around you and say, God, would you help me to lean into that and not to ignore it? Make a list. Like, the, like I love what David Maddox said earlier. It's like responding to God is not always walking down the aisle. Sometimes it's just like, God, right here, right now, here's my heart. What do you want me to do? Like, it, it's, it's flesh and blood, like people's names that you could love. Maybe you're making a plan like, hey, Tuesday, I'm going to call them and whatever. Or maybe your response this morning doesn't involve writing something down. Maybe it means just praying and saying, God, would you help me to see the opportunities around me to love others like you love? Making that your prayer. We're gonna, in a minute, we're gonna sing a great song that just really the chorus is, God, give us your heart. We wanna have your heart for people. We know love because you laid down your life for us. Would you give us your heart to love other people? Would that, would that push us? Would that motivate us? Would that stir us? So I'm gonna give you just a moment just to stay seated, to talk with the Lord, to take some notes if you need to. And in just, just a couple minutes, we're gonna sing together and make that our prayer. And if you do want to talk to someone, have a question and want some prayer, again, as we sing, in just a minute, there'll be some folks at the back that will love to, they'll, they'll be there to, to pray with you. Go take a moment, talk with the Lord, and then we'll sing. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 